0: Sports Central in conversation with Adrian Abraham on Money FM
1: 89.3. It's Money FM 89.3, and today I'm joined by Brian Tay. He's a former national swimmer who represented Singapore at the 2008 Olympics in Beijing. Brian, great to have you on the show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you,
0: Adrian, for having me.
1: Now, I guess we have to start right at the beginning. What actually inspired you to get into swimming?
0: Well, this is, um, this is a story I tell everyone. It's uh, My parents, I have two other siblings. I have an older brother and older sister. And I think my parents needed some time off from us. So they dropped us at the pool and said, hey, you guys are going to learn how to swim today. <laughs> and and that's, that's the story. We swam ever since I guess I was maybe five or six years old. And I didn't stop.
1: And I guess they didn't just throw you in the pool, did they?
0: Well, I, it, it was close. <laughs> no, no they didn't, we, we actually learned how to swim at the, the YMCA on Stevens Road. I still remember that it was really cold in the changing room. They bring you down, and you come up to the pool on the other side and they actually, I think at that time, they actually did throw you in the pool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you spent most of your childhood and teenage years and young adult life actually competing at the sport. And then, of course, you moved to the US for college and you went on to be a member of the varsity swimming team at Princeton University. What was that like?
0: That was, I think it was one of the best experiences of my life. You know, going, moving to a new country when you're, I guess I was 21, 20 when I moved to the US. So moving to a new country, you really really didn't know anybody there. And you joined the swim team and immediately you're part of a big family there. And I think that was um, one of the reasons why I enjoyed my, my college year so much because I went in, I had a huge bunch of friends already. We saw each other twice a day, went for classes, hung out at night. I had a wonderful time there. The training was tough, obviously, but it was a great time as well.
1: Now, from swimming in Singapore, because you were born and raised here, to you know swimming in the US, what was that like for you?
0: I think it was really different because when I was training here in Singapore, I was training with a coach who was from China. I trained with her pretty much my whole life up until I was 20, and she was great. I loved it. And then I went to the U.S. and trained under an American coach who was, I think, their workout ideology is a little bit different. It's a lot of long-distance sets versus a lot of high-intensity work sets in the U.S. And it took a little bit of getting used to, but I really did enjoy it as well because they swam in short-course yards in the U.S., which means the pool is pretty much less than half the length that it was in Singapore. And I had a great time because I really enjoyed that type of training as well.
1: Now, all that training was, of course, worth it. You've represented Singapore in the Asian Games, Commonwealth Games, Swimming World Championship. But I guess the big one is the 2008 Olympics in Beijing. You know, a lot of athletes who actually compete in Olympic sports, their dream is to compete in the Olympics and to have that opportunity, what did that mean for you personally?
0: It was really an experience. So when I first started swimming under Mr. Ang Peng Xiong, this was, I think, in when I was 10 years old, I started training under Mr. Ang. And I think one of the first memories he has of me was that I told him that I wanted to compete in the Olympics. <laughs> and I don't fully remember that, but he has told me this multiple times. Him and his wife, Auntie Wendy, have told me this. That I've told him that, when I was 10 years old, I, want, I told them that I wanted to swim in the Olympics. And I did manage to go when I was 19, when I was 20 years old. I went to the Olympics and I competed there, which I think was... It was really, I think, it was once in a lifetime, a very special experience for me.
1: So after the Olympic Games, you said that you didn't actually manage to stay for the full duration of the Olympics. And why was that?
0: So... The reason why was that I had to move to the U.S. for college. I had finished my NS, I was training at that time, and I just had to move straight away. So I actually left the Olympics two or three days after I competed in my event, which means that it was five days into the Olympics that I left.
1: So, you know, you go from two extremes. You're representing Singapore at the Olympic Games in Beijing, and from that, you go to Princeton, you know? What was the reaction like, you know, when you met your friends and stuff and that you'd actually been to the Olympic Games? What were they saying?
0: So I I'm not the type of person who actually goes around telling people that I was in the Olympics. It's just not how I am. But somehow people did find out. And I guess like, they're like, oh, this is pretty cool. Um, he went to the Olympics. But at the end of the day, I think we're just all regular people. And what we were doing there. We're just trying to make friends, new environment, completely whole new bunch of people to meet. So, I think everyone at the end of the day was like, alright, he's just a normal dude.
1: <laughs> Brian, you're too humble. I reckon if a lot of us had the opportunity to go to the Olympics and probably represent our we'd. I reckon we probably wouldn't stop talking about it, but <laughs> that's just how it is. Now, you know, you're no stranger to hard work and pushing limits. Uh, you're always looking to try new workouts that challenge you, know, you as a person. So since then, now you own two fitness studios, boom, you own them with your wife. You know, what was the reasoning behind opening up these studios?
0: So, my wife and I, we come from completely different fitness backgrounds. My wife, she was in debate in school, she did choir in school, and she never got into fitness till college when she went to the US and said, and her friends were like, you don't even work out at all, you don't do anything. That's when she started running, and that was the first time in her life that she was actually like working out. And when she moved back to Singapore in 2012, same year that I moved back, She started to work and then she found spin indoor cycling and she loved it so much that she was like, you know what, I'm going to start teaching spin as well. So she taught spin for three years. I moved back in 2012 at the same time. I started doing things like I taught a different type of spin. I taught bootcamp classes at 7 Cycle back in the day. I also did CrossFit and when we got together, we wanted to do something that, both of us could enjoy both of us could do and something that people would not be afraid to come to do so that's how boom was actually founded we we're both teaching part-time on the side with our regular jobs and we decided hey you know what we're working so hard on this why don't we do something for ourselves and why don't we do something that both of us could enjoy so that's how boom came about we first launched our first studio which had boxing and strength training and then a year and a half later we launched our second studio which is more focused towards functional fitness
1: now what were some of the challenges that came up with setting up this studio
0: well you know as as first-time business owners we were were both in corporate jobs before first-time business owners there's so many things uh, to take note of and a lot of people come into the fitness industry because oh i love fitness i love working out and at the end of the day when you're an instructor when you run the business when you're teaching people you have to love the aspect of teaching people and I think that's what my wife and I really, really enjoyed. We really did enjoy the human element, the interacting with our students, the passing our knowledge on. part. Some of the harder things to do were definitely um, how do we get people into our studio at the start? How do we, what money do we put into renovation? How do we keep our overheads down? How do we make a profit every month? <laughs> so those were all the things that we had to think about while we were doing, while we were running the business.
1: And, you know, of course, these are unprecedented times that we're going through. What were some of the obstacles that you had to overcome during the Circuit Breaker in particular in regards to your studio?
0: We actually closed our studio two weeks before Circuit Breaker because we felt like it was the right thing to do. So we closed it and immediately we launched online classes so we did Instagram classes we did Instagram posts with workouts on it as well and so we did that for a whole month and then when they said that they were extending the circuit breaker we actually launched online zoom classes so paid classes for the people who used to come to our studio so once you've done that we I mean, it was not easy. We had to pay rent. We had to pay our staff. We had to pay all the utility bills, even though we weren't allowed to open. And that was a pretty rough time for us. We've had a lot of support from our community, which I think was... Something that we really, like, my wife and I, were so appreciative of. They really supported us. They came together. They donated to us. We ran some charity classes where we had, like, 600 people attend, which is amazing. Yeah, we're we're just really thankful for everything that we've received because, you know, you may have it bad, but at the same time, you have to realize that maybe someone has it worse as well at the same time.
1: You know, for you now, I'm sure that you're glad that the circuit breaker is over and, you know, we're in phase (laughs) two and, you know, progressively heading... Towards phase three, hopefully soon, what does the future hold for boom?
0: Right now, actually, we're running at about 40% capacity after circuit break. In phase two, we're running about 40% capacity because of social distancing guidelines, which, you know, it's, it's pretty tough. But as we're moving forward, we're moving out of this pandemic, moving towards phase three, we're hoping to obviously resume classes, not in full, but, you know, with higher percentage of people coming in as well. Goals in terms of boom in the long term is obviously, I think we want to open a couple more studios, a couple more concepts as well, as well as, you know, we're also looking at some overseas ventures as well.
1: You know, of course we have to go back to talking about swimming before I let you go. <laughs> the Tokyo Olympics is postponed. it will only happen next year. How excited are you about this next crop of young Singaporean swimmers?
0: I get goosebumps thinking about it. Uh, I think what they've done with the Singapore swimming team is amazing the head coaches, Gary, my friend Marcus, Leonard, they're all doing such an amazing job with the swim team. I actually, all these coaches were on my teams growing up. <laughs> Gary was my senior when I went senior the C Games, the Asian Games. Uh, Marcus is my age. And they've been doing such an amazing job with all the local talent. And of course, we have Joseph Schooling, we have Clutch one, we're clutching one. We have so many good swimmers now and it's amazing seeing that.
1: It really is. That's amazing you're just as optimistic as we all are and you know we can't wait for next year's Olympics because, you know, I feel like we were robbed this year. Well anyway, Brian, it was great chatting to you and I wish you all the best in your future endeavors with Boom.
0: Thank you very much, Adrian.